Welcome to Guys We Fucked. <laughs> guys We Fucked. Guys We Fucked. I'm Christina. I'm Corinne. We're sorry, sorry about, about last, last night. night. The anti slut shaming podcast. <laughs> I never stop. <laughs> Yo, what up, fuckers? Welcome to another episode of Guys We Fuck. It's the Anti-Slut Shaming Podcast. I'm Corinne. I'm Christina. And thank you so much uh, to our sponsor for today's episode. It's Skin Condoms. That's S-K-Y-N. We've been wearing and giving out skin condoms for like the whole four years we've been doing this podcast. They've been a big uh, supporter of us. Um, if you're having fun, consensual sex, uh you know, put a condom on. It's yeah, great, wrap it up. It's a great idea. <laughs> There's a lot of things that uh, condoms can prevent. They're for everybody and every sexual preference. So just remember that everyone needs a condom. I feel like everyone, uh, that should be like a song, like everyone needs a condom. <laughs> uh, your sex life is about to get more intimate. Skin Wait, condoms what? are made uh, from a revolutionary polyisoprene material called skin feel. It's mm. softer and more comfortable than traditional latex while allowing for better heat transfer, which is always nice. You don't need a, you know, a, a cold body part inside you. So true. So both you and your partner get a natural feel full of sensitivity for a more connected sexual experience. Skin condoms are completely safe for anyone with a latex allergy, and they're just as safe as latex condoms. They offer the same level of protection against pregnancy and STIs. And now you guys can use code 15SKINFEB. Wow. Like February uh, for 15% off the Skin Selection 24 pack on Amazon. So you're getting it for cheap on Amazon and then you're getting an additional 15% off for February, which Damn. is Valentine's Day. Enjoy, guys. Damn. It'll be fun. I use skin condoms all the damn time. I used skin condom last night. Oh, suck it. Come see us live, Virginia Beach, February 22nd. We're going to be at the Funny Bone. That is a town that I grew up in. I fucking love Virginia Beach. Come out. It's going to be a very fun night. For tickets, go to sorryaboutlastnightcomedy.com slash tours. And for all the other dates, because we're going to be in a bunch of other places. We got Denver. We got Portland. We got... Uh, I don't fucking know. Winnipeg. A lot of other oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. And uh, if you uh, want more uh, cartoon voices in your life, you probably do, right? Because, yeah, whatever. Uh, Maybe It's You is an album that Joseph Vesey and I uh, created original songs and sketches. It's available right now on iTunes and Google Play for 10 bucks. Uh, go live your life and buy it. And then if you're in New York, Nacho Bitches is on Friday, February 23rd at New York Comedy Club, co-hosted by myself and a special co-host. We're going to have a sick lineup that night. It's 11.15 p.m. Uh, New York Comedy Club is 24th Street and 2nd Avenue. And as always, use code NACHO for $12 tickets. This is a 16 and up show. Very rarely do shows with that young of an age limit. Obviously, you have to be 21 to drink. Don't be a fool. Don't be a fool. Uh, but... Uh, uh, 16 and up, you can come and enjoy the show, which is neat. Yeah, super neat. And then the next day, also neat, fucking Glamour Post is happening in New York City in the West Village at Zinc Bar, hosted by myself and Wendy Starling. Saturday the 24th at 7.30 p.m. Tickets are 15 bucks. You gotta be 21, though. And uh, yeah, the link for the tickets is uh, in the description of this very podcast episode that you are listening to. Speaking of this very podcast episode, Fab Fit Fun! 
FabFitFun is a seasonal subscription box for busy women to discover brands and products for a life well-lived. More than just a beauty sample box, FabFitFun delivers a mix of full-size fashion, beauty, home, fitness, and wellness products to your door four times a year for just $49.99 a box. FabFitFun's spring box is on pre-sale now, which includes a lip statement palette and an oh-so-cute Rachel Pally clutch that comes in three reversible colors. It's true. I own both of those things currently, and they're really fucking cool. I really love box subscriptions, and this is my favorite one because it introduces me to brands I would have never thought of or uh, to buy uh, and products I never would have thought to buy and everything that comes in the box I fucking love. And it's like Christmas every time you get it. It's very exciting. So to try FabFitFun today, go to FabFitFun.com to subscribe and start getting the box for a life well lived. Use promo code GWF to get 10 bucks off your first box. That's products valued at $200 for only $39.99. Again, go to FabFitFun.com and use code GWF to get 10 bucks off your first FabFitFun box. Uh, and after you close that fab fit fun box, cause you're like, I can't have this much fun. Uh, so fit. <laughs> I'm, I'm so fat. I'm so, so fat. And I'm having so fab. much fun. It's almost overwhelming. <laughs> then you're going to put on your me undies. Me undies mm. is the best underwear you will ever own. The copy does say that, but also I'm going to give it's true as hell. I'm going to give that a Corinne Fisher, uh, stamp of approval made from sustainably sourced, naturally soft fabric that is three times softer than cotton. Me undies will be the most comfortable pair of underwear you own and probably the cutest. Such out. Uh, if you're putting s- silk and shit on your vagina, where what 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 era are you living in? Everyone like it makes knows- my vagina like more uh way well, in a bad way like, yeah it's no weird it's like you sweat differently in different cloths yeah you can't you you need breathe you yeah, need breathable you underwear breathe. you pussy gotta breathe yo it needs it needs to breathe so you you know you're trying to be sexy you're gonna end up with some kind of an infection down there you don't need that uh me undies are made from again it's an it's sustainably sourced naturally soft fabric they are the ultimate feel-good undies for you when you want to feel naked not be naked. Oh, I see what they did. I mean, that's a market that you need a corner. Ladies, they come in tons of different colors and styles, but I think men can be included in that too. That's not just a ladies thing. Yeah, men um, can want to be feel naked and not be naked too. And But also want like cute styles. True. Uh, including solids and lace, boy short, bikini and thong, something for everyone and every occasion. Fellas. <laughs> Fellas. The diamond seamed <laughs> pouch gives your stuff the support it needs <laughs> without feeling too tight, which I will say is true. James does wear his meat undies around a lot. Uh, and it there is the, I, there, the diamond... It cuddles the dick nice? It cradles. It cradles, cradles his penis. And I do notice baby. it. Um baby. And he wa- likes to walk around like uh, Winnie the Pooh a lot. So it's I appreciate <laughs> Just the meat undies. I mean, you know... I, Dicks are great and stuff, but I don't need to be seeing them. I see it all the time. Get in the wild yeah. all the time. Uh, MeUndies is, so, is so sure you will love their underwear. They offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee. If you don't love your first pair, get a full refund. And I mean, in my opinion, make sure to send it back real soiled. <laughs> <laughs> But you won't because you'll love it so much. Don't tell him I said that. Uh, right now, Son GWF. <laughs> right now, GWF listeners. Oh my god! We'll get twenty percent off your first pair and free shipping. 
It's a no-brainer, 20% off, free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guarantee. What are you waiting for? To get your 20% off, free shipping, and their 100% satisfaction guarantee and get the best and softest underwear you will ever own, go to meundies.com slash GWF. Again, that's meundies.com slash GWF. It's a limited time offer, so just like fucking do it right now. Start wearing the best underwear Ooh. of your life. Oh my God. Meundies.com slash GWF. Thank you. Boom. You want to read your email first? You want me to read my email first? You can go. Okay. We're recording two episodes in a row. So if something crazy has happened in the past week and we're not going to talk about it because we're in the past week. You know what I mean? That makes sense, right? Whatever. The subject is Aziz Ansari has my boyfriend questioning his sexual relationships and I'm kind of annoyed by it. Mm -hmm. Hey, ladies. Of course, I love you too in this podcast. So amidst all the allegations uh, being strewn across the media regarding sexual assault, rape, consent, etc., my boyfriend and I have had plenty of discussions about where we stand on all of it, that sexual assault is any kind of, uh, of any kind is wrong and should never be tolerated. But cut to this past Sunday night as we are in bed ready to go to sleep when he blurts out, babe, uh, I have a question, serious question, and uh, I need you to be 100% honest with me. To which I immediately reply, what the, of course. <laughs> Sorry, I'm sure you're better than that. His next question to me is what has me writing you today? Babe, have I ever done anything to you sexually or otherwise that you weren't completely okay with and you just didn't say anything? Without a thought, I responded with an enthusiastic, no, but uh, we have an adventurous sex life to which we communicate, uh, uh, to which we uh, communicate about needs, wants, and boundaries. I have never been in a situation with him that would warrant questioning my level of comfort and consent to any of this. Uh, I wanted to know where this was coming from. And he said he has uh, been worried about this and questioning not only our relationship, but previous ones as well, since reading an article about Aziz Ansari and the allegations made against him. While I appreciate that he as a man is thinking about this and understanding the need for the conversation as a society, it had me thinking a bit deeper into it as well. My boyfriend is a good man. He's he's mindful of others, respectful and uh, people in general, and about the most respectful to women that I have ever met. Oh, and proof that chivalry isn't dead, even though I can open my own goddamn door. I actually like that he does this. I'm a feminist. I believe that women are just as valuable as men and deserve all the same treatment, pay, etc. as men. I believe that women can be just as shitty as men too. I also feel that with the current sexual assault climate, there are some women who are going to take advantage of it. Unpopular opinion, I am very sure. But you're right, there are some. Uh, I obviously don't know what happened between Aziz and the woman. Sorry, I didn't even look up her name uh, if there's even been published. But I feel that I need to speak some of my truth. I am not here to be to victim shame or victim blame by any means. I feel like I just need to share my opinion and see if what I'm thinking is completely off the wall. Are we getting to a place as a society that every sexual encounter needs to be signed legal consent form? Maybe alongside that, a non-disclosure agreement? As a single woman, I have plenty of dissatisfying or altogether bad sexual experiences. I've been sexually assaulted, groped, ogled, catcalled, all of that. I have been raped. Uh, I have also been raped by a boyfriend to which I've never looked at as rape until learning that your boyfriend, lover, husband can actually rape you. Uh, But with all of that, where is the line in the sand? When is our responsibility uh, to get ourselves or keep ourselves out of situations like the one with Aziz and Sorry? I'm not talking about textbook rape here, forceful, unwarranted, unwanted, etc. I'm talking about putting ourselves in a position to take an Uber back to someone's home, have drinks with them, be mindful enough to get naked or let them get uh, you naked, sleep with said person, and then text them the next day and say that that wasn't uh, wanted 
for one reason or another. I know I wasn't there, but if the person you are with is thinking it's consensual and you aren't saying or doing anything otherwise, how are they supposed to know? I feel that it is just uh, just as much our responsibility to make sure the situation is consensual as it is the other person's. We as women must speak up. We have to stop making ourselves the victims in situations like this before and during. Maybe this is just me, but we are just as responsible. No woman is asking for it, regardless of the situation, but we aren't sleep. Uh, we aren't sheep waiting for the slaughter. We are human beings that need to speak for ourselves, our bodies. And if we don't like something, we need to say it, scream it, fucking shout it on the rooftop. We can't be complacent, uh, then send a text the next day and leak it to the media. I don't know how the media got a hold of it, so I'm assuming it was leaked. Yes, it was. Uh, these situations slash stories are making good people question themselves. Uh, thank you for taking the time to read this. Um, I hope I'm not the only one thinking it. I thought that was interesting because uh, there is that one, I mean, the, the situation she's describing with her boyfriend just asking and being like, hey, did I ever do anything weird? Mm-hmm. That to me isn't annoying. Um, but some guys are, I've witnessed be very annoying about it. Well, I was going to say, I was like, the opposite direction. Like, yeah. I'm just going to look at her and she's going to accuse me of rape. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. You know, that's not true. We're not idiots. Fuck you. Um, but it, you know, there are there, the, the notion that women have been socialized and it's true, uh, to be agreeable, whether you fell for it or not. I fell for it. Corinne didn't cool. You're everybody's different. So in a situation like the grace and Aziz thing, you know, maybe I don't know what the fuck was going on in her head, but also I do understand that a person can feel trapped. And even though they can call an Uber and leave and they don't feel physically, uh, they don't feel like they're being physically threatened. It's not as easy as just doing that. And, you know, sometimes people, men, when you reject them or women, sometimes I guess too, but men are stronger than women, uh, physically, uh, they get mad when you say no. And so that's also a risk. There's just so many fucking factors that everybody's experiences, you can't, you can't, you can't group it all. Well, I'm just kind of down like a side street, a little bit unrelated, but I think still related is like when dealing with celebrities, I mean, specifically, like it's like number one, uh, a celebrity in real life is not the person that they portray in movies or on TV. So don't Correct. expect them to be that. Yeah. And celebrities, even though they are this kind of elevated human form, are still humans and are still, um, you know, can be nervous, unsure of themselves, dorky, not smooth, not how to do, do anything bad in bed uh, gross human beings I mean they can be all of these things no matter what they are and this is again not putting like the uh, you know we talked about this at length so you guys know our feelings on yeah. these seasons aren't they? I from the uh, from the subject line thought this was more going to be like uh, uh, like oh my god my boyfriend won't stop asking me yeah, that's if, what I thought too. if he did if he did uh, rapey stuff and it's like that is a thing so it's like you know what you've done and if you are the, that as a as a you know specifically usually men and, and if you are that unclear with how how you are coming across like that. You just need to take a moment and self-reflect like the same way, uh, you know, black people don't need to give white people lessons in how to interact with them. Women also don't need to give lessons in how to interact with men. Like we're all fucking adults. I really, situation. yeah. And I, and I want to recommend, and we'll put it in the description of this podcast. Hopefully I'll remember. I'll remember. Um, there is an article on the week.com by Lily Loofborough. I read it's called that. The yeah. female price of male pleasure. And uh, just, I'm just want to read like the first two paragraphs. I, I recommend highly every single person listening to this read it. You, you're going to get a lot. She articulates the issue perfectly. The, uh, she says, the world is disturbingly comfortable with the fact that women sometimes leave a sexual encounter in tears. When Babe.net published the pseudonyms, uh, 
a pseudonym, uh, synonymous woman's account of a difficult encounter with Aziz Ansari that made her cry. The internet exploded with takes arguing that hashtag me too movement has finally gone too far. Grace, the 23 year old woman was not an employee of Ansari's meaning there were no workplace dynamics. Her repeated objections and pleas that they slow down were all well and good, but they did not square with the fact that she eventually gave uh, Ansari oral sex. Finally, crucially, she was free to leave. Why didn't she just get out of there as soon as she, uh, she felt comfortable? Many people ex uh, explicitly or implicitly asked. It's a rich question and there are plenty of possible answers. But if you're asking in good faith, if you really want to think through why someone might have acted as she did, the most important one is this. Women are encultured to be uncomfortable most of the time and to ignore their discomfort. This article goes on for long and it's very smart and... Uh, you should read it. Yeah, I actually, I read that article after you recommended reading it. And I thought it was interesting because I think the article is very strong. I thought, I thought actually the weakest part of the article was that she brought the Ansari thing into it at all. Because the, to me, the most interesting part by a landslide was uh, when she was, uh, the surveys of men and women and how they defined what bad sex and how yeah. so often bad sex to women is, is sex that is actually physically or emotionally uncomfortable, where bad sex to men is just like, I didn't come or it wasn't easy. Yeah. No. And like, and, and that to me was something that is not talked about enough. And nope. it's so true. It's like, I've never even had a conversation, uh, with any of my male friends. And I've had very in-depth sexual, uh, conversations with my male friends have a lot of both gay and, uh, straight male friends who I talk about, talk with things very openly and not, I don't remember any instance of them saying something was actually physically uncomfortable. I mean, James told me about someone vomiting on his dick, but other than that, like that's just Damn. gross. That's not actually causing yeah, you yeah, like, yeah. I don't think that caused him any mental right. duress. He didn't keep going with the sex in pain. Right. Yeah. I, and the amount of time when yeah. I read that part, you're right. I'm glad you yeah. pointed that out. Cause it's been a while since I read the article. Yeah. That when I got to that part, I realized how many times recently, and I was I was masturbating in the hotel the other day, and I was telling you about this. Oh yeah, the pain I I have pain sometimes right after sex, and mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever talked about it on the podcast, which is so fucked up. Like that's such a clear example of like, eh, whatever. It's a I host a popular sex podcast. How I have not talked about that is kind of fucking dumb, right? And uh, and that I got had a similar pain after I masturbated, and it felt like the insides of my intestines were sticking to my abdominal wall. I don't know how to describe it. I had surgery. The doctor found nothing. She said, I'm fine. But like, I'm obviously not fucking fine. Mm. And I just kind of ignored it. And then when I read that article, I'm like, fuck. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, ju I just totally disregard my physical pain. Mm -hmm. And I've had sex with Steven before where I'm in that physical pain, but I just don't acknowledge it. See, I always and I don't stop even give him a cue. sex when I'm in pain because of, like the minute it stops being pleasurable, pleasurable for me, especially with a, a, a like a long term boyfriend. I yeah. mean, I can think of like one like one instance where I was like, oh, this isn't great. But, you know, <laughs> where I just let it go because I was like a friend and I was like, this is not even like worth the conversation. It yeah. was more of just like sometimes you do things for friends. Uh, but like, <laughs> you know, even that it's like, why are we having sex? That's not like the I mean, like the point of sex, unless you are trying to make a baby is like for human, you know, for a deeper connection with someone and then also pleasure. just physical pleasure. And, uh, but I mean that, that, that seasickness that I mentioned a lot that I have, oh, like, yeah. I mean, that's what when that fingered, is. Right? There's like a nausea. And I mean, it's every now and again, I'll, like, it does feel like, I mean, I know it's not, but it does feel like the dick is like coming up and like poking like the back of my stomach near my belly button. Yeah. So like anytime I get that feeling, I'm like, we got to stop because like, this doesn't feel good. I'm like, we can do something else. We can do fingers yeah. or mouths or something but like i am not going to continue with 
penis and vagina intercourse if it is painful for me. Anytime, really, especially at 32 Uh in a long-term relationship. Like, just no. Yeah. Like, fucking close the garbage, James. Yeah. Sorry, that's a a personal thing that's going on right now. Please (laughs) close the goddamn garbage. Put a weight on it. Put a book on it. It's not that hard. Just fuck a book on it. Yeah, the amount of times that I have endured pain during sex with Steven, who would have, of course, stopped immediately if I said, hey, I'm in pain. He would have, he doesn't give a shit. Like, he doesn't want me to do that. Um, so, I don't know. Just don't <laughs> fucking listen to your body and speak up. But it's also, it's, it's, it can be very difficult for some people. And if you don't understand that, fine. Listen to us, please. Right. Well, I mean, and the sex should not be painful on, on the reg. And if a woman, especially if a woman is telling you she's in physical pain, she really is. Yeah. Because women have a high threshold. Yeah. Remember when we popped babies out of vagina? I oh, mean, yeah. I didn't buy her. The other people did it. All right, guys, uh, we have a phenomenal guest for you today. This is a comedian who I've done numerous shows about. Um, and I'm so glad she's in New York with us now. Uh, please catch her doing a live show if you have the opportunity. Give a warm welcome to Chanel, Chanel. Ali. I'm the product of a flawed system. I'm the answer to all your questions. But no one asked you, so I must abstain. If you need me, I'll be on my 15-minute break. Freshly polished from my undergrad. Tell you about the work experience I had. I'm a seed for all these great ideas. Too bad sun and water are my biggest fears. My tank's on empty. I'm running on And a freshly brown nose I know all the terminology To disguise my incompetency Don't be distracted by my fresh young face I assure you I don't know my place Rising earlier and running late Don't know how much longer I can fake it Let's stop working We're trying to Okay, we are here with Chanel Ali. How hey, you doing? Hey, guys. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Thanks for being here. You have a very calm energy. I like this. This is good. We've had a lot of good energies in here today. So Yeah, we're doing Which I needed. <laughs> are you okay? Uh, I'm, I mean, I am, I'm, I'm always okay, but always not okay. You know, that's the life of a comedian. How are I you? Believe. I'm doing pretty good right yeah. now. Right now. I'm doing pretty good. Today, <laughs> For the moment it is temporary. Today is good. I try to take it day by day. Just I'm sure that's, as you do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know? Um, I'm, you you, that's when you say I have a calm energy. I'm always like encouraging comedians to take deep breaths. Are you? All the time. I, I'm always like, hey, when's the last time you like were quiet and just like took a couple big deep breaths? And they're always like years. Really? Whoa. It's been years since I just focused on my breath for a few moments. Cause like we just, you know, we You're just stockpile it, stockpile it, just try to keep moving. 
Yeah. Well, like, that's why I like running because you actually, I mean, you have to breathe otherwise you'll die. Totally. Uh, it's so very, true. Imp- very important. So true it's running. like a meditative practice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. I, that's why I, I do like it's it, It's so painful, but it's like the only time I have quiet time to think to myself because it's so much talking in this business, so much people talking like at you. Oh my gosh. Not yeah. with you, just at you. Yeah. That's a lot. But um, how? Wait, so you moved from Philly. Mm-hmm. And how oh. long have you officially been Philly. here? Like She's two. Oh, you are? Five. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I, and I knew the Super Bowl. I was like, man, these fuckers yeah. win. They're going to trash the city anyway. I was like, this is going to burn yeah. down. And they won. I'm like, you guys. Yeah. We needed the win though. We did. <laughs> we, did. we did. I'm so happy. That was a great fucking game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I've been here two and a half years. Okay. Two and a half years. And I was doing comedy in Philly for like two years before that. How was the Philly comedy scene? It's small, but it's mighty. Um, there's some good mics and you can get in with the clubs and do spots here and there. Maybe feature, maybe host if you get real good. So nice. it's not bad. It's okay. not bad. It's awesome. very small, but it's not bad. And what was the decision? Like, was it just comedy based to move to New York City? Yeah. Yeah. I just was like, man, you know, Kevin Hart was joking here for like a decade. Yeah. He was just really going to town and I don't want to play that type of long game. You know, I really want to go where I think the opportunity is. And I thought that New York would make me better. I was like, I think the yeah. stages there will for sure. round me out and force me to like read the newspaper and shit. And like, <laughs> it, it does. You know, like, New York audiences are very like you can go as specific as you want or mm-hmm. as, as niche as you think it is. And then the audience, you'll find an audience that's like, oh, yeah, I love that. Yeah. And Brooklyn, I feel like they challenge you a lot to like be in the know. Yeah. So I just I was like, I'm ready to take it up a notch. You know, let's just jump. Yeah. And has it done that for you? You feel like has like, did New York deliver on what you thought New York would be? Totally. Totally. It's been like fame, you know, it's been like the stuff <laughs> of dreams, yeah. but also severe poverty in the beginning, oh, you know, man. but it felt good the to severest. like, it felt good to, to be the honest. Point where it's kind of funny. Yes. Like it's sometimes because you're like, I can't even. Yeah. I can't even afford a subway ride. Yeah. This I was is, stealing. I, and then I got <laughs> I was Oh, I would steal stealing. toilet paper from work or from like a Starbucks bathroom. Yeah. Like I, you know, you do what you do. When I first moved up here, I moved into an Airbnb for a couple of weeks. I just paid it up for a couple of weeks so that I could look for a place. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just stealing. I was just taking <laughs> stuff. I was yeah. like, what is this conditioner? It's mine. I'm yeah. taking this. Yeah. I feel like no toiletries, like, yeah. is it really sealing? I how don't do really they, feel that bad. Yeah. How do they know you didn't just need a ton of shampoo that day? I know. You invited me into your home. Yeah. yeah. I you mean, it's, that I it's a crazy you. idea. Yeah. <laughs> I I knew what I was doing. <laughs> so you were at an Airbnb where it was, you just had a, your own room. Mm-hmm. And how many other roommates were there? A bunch. It was a like, bunch. A, yeah, because oh. I, I remember like reading a lot and feeling like, oh, I should be in like, Williamsburg. I should be in that area. That's where all the good comedy is happening. And so I just picked a place that was like reasonable and in the Williamsburg area. Were you specifically interested in the alt comedy scene or just kind of like um, progressive thinking? Com- I had or? I had literally gone to the Knitting Factory once. Uh huh. And this is when Hannibal was running it. Yeah. We used to go every. Uh, week. It was amazing. We used to right? go when it was free and it was oh because yeah. I lived walking distance. Mm-hmm. From saw there. some of the best oh fucking God. comedy there. You still do. I mean, it's still a great show. It I haven't been in a, a while. Show. But. It is, but it really inspired me as I'm sure it did you guys. Yeah. And I was just like, man, I want to be over here. Yeah. I want to be where this is happening. And Hannibal was mm-hmm. a comic who's just so yeah. fucking funny and mm-hmm. he's so calmly himself and he just takes these turns that you don't expect and I yeah. really love that about him. So yeah. Especially when he was hosting in Brooklyn. Like yeah. he yeah. was 
prime Hannibal really not censoring himself. Well, it feels yeah. like you're what it feels that it's a beautiful part of comedy where you feel like you're watching something you're not supposed to be watching. So like you're sneaky. you're really like you were invited to this cool underground thing and only a couple of us know about it and yeah. don't tell anyone else and mm-hmm. only cool people are like it's it was yeah. a very special time. It was. And with the big windows, people are walking by like, what's going on in there? People are just giggling. If you don't know, you don't know. Yeah, you can't just walk in here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it did feel like this like secret society, but like all like laughing in a room full of full of people you don't know. Like at, during those times when Hannibal was hosting the meeting, it says magical. It was incredible. Oh, <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> so I want to, uh, I mean, obviously this is a sexuality podcast, but you have such an interesting, uh, like you had an interesting childhood that I only have heard about in little snippets. I, I mean, I I ha- had heard you speak on stage about like growing up in the foster care system. Yeah, and yeah. then I know you just started a podcast, uh, I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> about being orphans. <laughs> is, yes, I, I don't orphans. know. I'm, I'm like, I don't know like what words are okay to say anymore. I didn't know oh if like orphan gosh, was like yeah. prostitute or just like an old word that people aren't using. Right. Is that still the it sounds old timey, right? A, it's yeah. A, I sounds like Annie. Like yeah. I'm probably gonna right. like clean your chimney. Right. 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 It's, right. it's totally not. As okay. a child. Like, like a child chimney. The the cleaner. UN has a definition of an orphan. Uh-huh. And an orphan is a person who has lost one or more parent via death or abandonment. Oh, oh one, one or more. So a lot of people are, lot of are, are orphans. literally orphans oh, are considered yeah. orphans by the UN definition and yeah. don't realize it. Oh, so I we talk to people that are partially orphaned or <laughs> you know, a orphan. quarterly partial- orphan, <laughs> like, oh, they text you or email <laughs> yeah. you. You know, yeah. like there's dad shows up once a year. And like um Shalewa, we asked Shalewa, she was one of our first guests. She recently became an orphan. Yes, yeah. So mm. to be an adult and then and lose both of your parents, you're a new orphan at a an adult age. And I mean, what a mind fuck. I it mean, is crazy, All of it right? is a mind fuck. It's but so like, crazy. Damn. Yeah. So it's daddyless issues. And we talk to people about like, how did they get by? Like, what tools did you use to parent yourself? Because that's what we do instinctively when we don't have someone there to provide that support. We, we, we develop methods to parent ourselves. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and it's kind of a great skill to have, especially in comedy where you kind of just are thrown in and you're, you're on your own and yeah. you're like, I just need to not drown. Like, there's no manual really. No, there you know. isn't. So uh, did you ever know your biological parents? Yeah, or? I lived with my mom till I was two. Okay. And I got taken away from her. I didn't know who my father was. His name wasn't on my birth certificate. Oh, wow. Um, I got oh, taken wow. away from her. And then she had visitation for like the next few years. But then I was living with my grandmother. Got taken away from Ma- her. Was it your mom's mom? My mom's mom. Okay. Got taken away from her. Do you know why? Um, they were, it was genuinely the 80s when people were just smoking crack in Philly and Camden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And... That's just what they were doing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's just what they were doing. And they just got caught up in the tail end when it's like, obviously, they weren't on the streets. They were, you know, paying their rent and holding down jobs. But Mm -hmm. they were smoking crack. Casually smoking crack. They were casually smoking crack. (laughs) Definitely not taking care of their kids. Yeah. Uh Just definitely not doing that. Okay. So I got taken away from them. And then someone came by and was like, oh, she's smoking crack. Chanel, come with us. It was the craziest thing. <laughs> I mean, is, like, do you do you like second cr- hand crack in smoke? Is that like a thing? I don't. I hope not. I, I was like, I didn't. So. I didn't know if there was like any any doctor yeah. pulled you aside ever and was like, nah. I doubt it. I doubt it. All but right. Still, you're probably not doing a great it's job. Not, you know, it's not It's not great. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm not gonna have like a full fridge or like right. a clean room. Or- just not gonna be on the up and up. Yeah. You know, you're just rolling through life. <laughs> um and. uh my grandmother was like really abusive. She was just like oh, really? all of the bad things, like throwing me up against stuff. Just at two, at, th- at three. I would lived with Holy her between shit. two and six. So I got taken away from my mom, put with my grandmother. 
because she was obviously the only other person. Right. And she's just as fucked up, if not worse. And my grandmother Mm. was this like Jersey Italian woman. And I'm like her first black grandchild. And she suddenly straddled with this child. And then my little brother is born. Okay. So your mom's white or she's half white, half white. Okay. Yeah. So So it, it was just a lot of different things that I think made it hard for her to be a good grandmother. I mean, the crack yeah. is one thing. Yeah, that was a crack part of it. not helping it. But she was also like, oh, my daughter is strung out. Her kids got taken away. You know, she had a son that was in jail. Just okay. like everything was swirling. And yeah. also she was slapping us around a lot. So damn, I went to the doctor one day and the doctor just he just read her up and down. Just I'm sure we were a spectacle, but he knew instantly like, oh, this lady's fucking these kids up like this is all fucked up so um i went to school the next day and these people in suits told me to get in the car and we're like we're gonna go get your things and you don't have to live with your grandmother anymore how how did you feel when they told you that it felt like it felt like i might pass out it felt like my legs were going numb you know in a good or a bad way or a scare in a a both way in like a relief of oh my god someone has done their due diligence and maybe we have a chance because at five and six, I had settled into the idea that we're probably not going to survive this. You know, oh, like my mom is not getting it together. I don't know who my dad is. My grandmother is doing all types of crazy things. We're probably not going to make it out of this. And then my my newborn brother was instantly taken from her and put into the care of my grandmother as well. So I remember being relieved, but also scared for her because, you know, you're seven. You don't really understand like what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. So I remember thinking like in my child reasoning, oh, if they could just tell her you can't do that anymore, then yeah. maybe we'll be OK. Like if they could just like pull her to the side and say, hey, you know, like you can't really like, do all that stuff. Cut it out with the cracks. Crack. Maybe, maybe you know, throwing you people. Know, keep, <laughs> keep the bills paid, yeah. you know, like whatever. Ugh. But yeah. What a pure child like that's just I such know. A, if you told them not to do the bad things just they stop doing that shit because yeah. other times she was nice she was fun you know right um so then we were in the system and i like lived with my teacher for a while i lived with like, na- yeah neighbors was all that weird these for you people or? yeah all these people really like came together and wanted to keep uh specifically oh. me out of foster care oh that's but good. you know obviously they weren't prepared to take on another two kids so it was yeah. like they were only able to do so much before we ended up in foster care and moving around a lot but yeah it was it was a i lived in so many people's homes wow and what a yeah. wow i i my mom was in foster care for a little bit and she her mom tried to kill her mm-hmm. and her siblings because they were threatened to take the kids away. So she tried to kill herself. They tried to kill the kids and she did. And then she eventually killed herself. But, um, and it was the foster care. She didn't have not that great yeah. an experience. And she was so little, but she remembers it. Do you have, did you have that? Oh man. I, I feel like I remember them each like, and like I could write a book about each home. Wow. I feel like I remember them in such vivid detail, even when I was really young. Damn. Um, for a lot of reasons, a lot. I always think about how race played an issue. How Sometimes I would be in a home where it's a white family and they have children of their own who are white and they literally don't want us fraternizing with their white children. What because the fuck? So are they just taking you in for the money from the government? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Because it's like you hear oh, so much negative God. things about the it, it totally foster care system that. and I always wonder, like, I'm, I was like, I'm guessing this is accurate. And this is like pre-internet. People are not checking up as, uh, as I'm sure they are now and keeping a case log like they are now and yeah. having the checks and balances. So there were times when oh I was like, God. come on, these people shouldn't have kids. Like, Yeah, the the way that they're taking care of their own children is not that great. Now you're adding us into the mix and it's becoming this this really swirling thing of just horrible childhoods. Did you know when you were that young, like, oh, 
you're fucked up oh, and you're yeah. racist and it's not have it's totally. nothing to do with who I am as a person. And sometimes it would be like oh, the mom right. was really racist, but I could tell that the dad wasn't racist. He oh. was just kind of going along with it because she was a really fat lady that run his life, you know, like that. Oh, she just man. ran the household and she was like, we're racist. We're taking in kids. Uh, here we are. But we're this racist. is how we're going to do it. You Don't talk to my me. white kids. Don't talk to my white kids. Damn. Make them sleep over there. Like it was that was. And when she was gone, he was nice. He was calm. Wow. And he was compassionate. But it was like he was more than willing to just accept that that was his life. Like he married this woman and this is what they do and they live in Jersey. Oh, and so what depressing. are you going to do? You know, would the kids go along with this kind of uh, racism or would they just be kids and colorblind? Or I'm not sure how old they were as kids. Honestly, they were pretty colorblind. I felt like it was never like these kids, like the kids would be what would ask questions as if like, why do they sleep over there? Or why don't they have actual beds? Why are we giving them cots? Like, yeah, they're, they were they much more, that that wasn't fair. they were much, especially like, I remember always if they had a daughter than me and the daughter would become friends mm-hmm. and it would always be like, well, Chanel should have this too, or Chanel should have her, you know, whatever. But it's like, it's easy to justify not doing things for a foster kid when you say like, well, we don't know how long she's going to be here. Mm. So, so it's they, like they, they put it under that mask. Or I imagine there's sometimes people Ugh. who are like, well, they're just lucky to have a home at all. Yeah. Kind of mm-hmm. that attitude. Well, she can play with your stuff, you know, when you're not using it, like all types of things that they can make it seem like, well, we're doing the best we can. You know, and they're placing yeah. foster uh, children in homes. I mean, do they account for race at all? I mean, like I know for like, this is a different example, but like for Big Brothers Big Sisters program, for instance, like I worked on that, and they really wanted to place people with uh, with people who of the same race, so that you could have kind of an an older person in your life who really like looked like you on the outside, yeah. and they th- felt that was important. Yeah, did they? at all try that or not that I know of um I'm actually curious like nowadays how much research they do and like what their methods are because it definitely felt like who had space at the time it felt like we moved when this home was getting crowded or these people were deciding that they didn't want to have as many kids like we just went where there was space and how how up until what age were you going from um, I, you I was, yeah, until I was 18, but I lived okay. with like distant relatives in between if they had oh. space. Nice. Um, but yeah, definitely. It, I remember thinking of like 18 as like the get out of jail card. You so, know? Oh, like, okay. So, once yeah. I get there, I'll be able to figure it out. I'll be able to, you know, I remember being super focused on college and just like powering through high school and just being so driven about that specific goal. Like you have to go start your life and be an accountable adult so that you can help your brother so that you can, you know, damn, you parented yourself really well. Yeah, I was gonna say, where did that, Jeez. where did that even come from? Oh man. I mean, I, I definitely did a couple bouts of therapy. I definitely Smart. spoke to professionals within, uh, provided by the government within the, or I remember when I was in fifth grade, I told my teacher, I just told my teacher, I was like, yeah, you know, life is just heavy and I need to talk to somebody like, oh. you know, I'm taking care of this baby. You have like yeah. a very like, like deep art artist spirit. It seemed like that all kind of it, it was it's very... crazy that it's that way now, but at the time it just felt like you just gotta survive. Like yeah. You just yeah. gotta figure it out. If not even for me, because I can't say that I was super motivated. I just remember feeling like I'm gonna be a direct example for my little brother. Uh-huh, and yeah. I don't want him to ever say, Well, Chanel failed at life. Look, she's a vagabond, mm. she does tax scams. <laughs> Like whatever it is. Right, right, right. She just bails out. You know, like whatever it is she's doing. Yeah. I could do that too and just not try hard. I was like, I'm going to try as hard as possible so that he can never have an excuse about 
not even giving his best. Yeah. So it's like you've already gone through motherhood. Totally. Yeah. That's why I know I'm not ready for kids anytime soon. I'm still exhausted from raising them. Yeah, kid. you already did it. I'm tired. How old your brother now? 22. Okay. And he's yeah. doing well? Yeah, he's doing well. He's in college. He had a good person raising him. Yeah. I <laughs> honestly worry about him way more than I should. Because you know what? Like, you wake up in the middle of the night, you want to text him a paragraph about, like, credit card limits. Like, just... Yeah. You just want to warn him. Yeah, like, well, I know, probably have told you this. And every time I do that and, like, kind of... I don't want to say spaz on him, but freak, freak out on him a little bit. He's always like, oh, I know. I actually was reading about that. And I I had... You know, like, he's, he's even a better version of me so Aww. that he's better, like... Suited. But it makes sense because then you really did have... That that is reflective of like the parent child yeah. relationship. It's it. Yeah. I mean, that's why I can't even be a parent because I would just be worried sick all the time. Like yeah. I couldn't even function. I do worry. I do. But he's doing good. So when you turned eighteen, huh. you just was on that day. Did they say, well, leave? Were you at a foster house? Yeah, I was living with a distant relative at the time. Oh, okay, so you didn't have to um, leave. Yeah, I didn't have to leave right away, but I definitely wanted to. I wanted yeah. to like go get started right away. Um, and so, yeah, I like bought a plane ticket. I moved to Philly. I went to Temple. Why Philly? Just for I, well, school or? Yeah. Well, I liked, obviously I was like from that area. So I always liked the city mm-hmm. and I just had this idea of like being sex in the city yeah. and just going to college in the city. And I just yeah. wanted to, I was like, it sounds good. It sounds like a good school and I just want to go there. Yeah. I really, I really don't remember having like a ton of specific ideas about who I was going to be or what I was going to do. I was just like, I'm going to start over here. How did you learn about sex? Oh man. Uh, a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tons of movies. I feel like I spent a lot of time like in front of a TV when no one was around. Okay. Like, so I no felt a lot of like, yeah. So a lot of like people just not being home and me exploring HBO. Um, and in, a, in an overcrowded house, like a TV does often uh, do so much parenting mm-hmm. on its own. Totally. Like, you know, real sex. Yeah. All day. Yeah. Uh, the playhouse all day. Yeah. Just really studying like, who are these women and why Why are they doing this? You know, mm-hmm. but um, I was deathly afraid of like pregnancy when I was like in my adolescence. <laughs> I feel like I was a it. slow starter because I was like, man, my mom and my dad were totally not ready for me. Right. <laughs> they were totally oh, not yeah. ready. I'm not trying to make that same mistake. This thing is like a ticking time bomb. Just <laughs> your womb. Yeah. I was like worried that my womb would just get too close to a guy. And maybe I'd be like, oh, sh- I contracted pregnancy. Damn. Yeah. Fear is a very powerful emotion. So it kept me like good. I was a good girl for a long time. But, you know, not even like a finger anywhere. Or- oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, okay. Just no anything. Penetrative I'm not trying sex. To, I'm not trying to make a baby. But yeah, I got like my first boyfriend when I was like 16. And still I was like, oh, we really got to take it slow, bro. Like, I'm not trying to make a baby out here. Um, but then after that, I think I was pretty normal. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's cool. You can just like make sure you don't make a baby. OK. Yeah. Condoms, <laughs> birth okay. control, all that stuff. You know, because I like I was remember watching that movie Kids. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And just being like scared to hell. Yeah. Like, well, that movie will scare the shit mm-hmm. out of you if you watch it young, especially. And then like when my mom was like trying to get clean, going with her to like N.A. meetings. Oh, why you go with her? Yeah. Watching people like share in those meetings and talk about like sex and like literally how they got AIDS or they contracted HIV and now have AIDS and then watching Mm. them deteriorate. So I remember from a young age being like, oh, that's a real thing that's out there. You have to be so careful. So I was like really careful. Wow. For in a, a in a way that do you think it limited you or it just it was a healthy amount of careful? I think so, yeah. I think I was like, oh, sex with a condom is pretty solid, right? Yeah. It's just it can't get that much better, right? Yeah. yeah. And then I was like, oh no, 
there's that's a big difference. And it's, <laughs> it's not something that you can justify with logic and conversation. <laughs> well, that's a, uh, you know? like a metaphysical thing almost. It's like a... But even like when you're like genuinely in love with someone, I just feel like there's such a big difference. Yeah. In a lovemaking session, if you're yeah. wrapping it up still. I'm still, ra- I gotta say, I'm still wrapping it up because I'm off birth control, but I've been with yeah. my boyfriend for seven years. And I don't, I mean, I do, cr- I do like it when we like do a raw dog, but it's very rare. And cause he's very paranoid about the pregnancy thing. Mm. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just as good. <laughs> I, Maybe I that's mean, what I tell myself though. We talk about this. Like, I appreciate like, what I got. Like, I agree with you. I mean, okay. I, I, I was going to say, we're, I, I need someone else to. No, I hundred percent agree with you. I just don't like to t- talk about it too much for the kids, you know, all the 12 year olds <laughs> listening, but uh, <laughs> the little baby, but you know, if we could, that's like, you know, that's only if I'm, you know, I'm in a committed relationship, obviously, because then otherwise I don't want to have a baby with someone I don't know. Totally. So <laughs> true. Yeah. I mean, that's the main thing. Cause I do also still at 32 have a intense fear of pregnancy same maybe even worse when you're 30s because then you're like well i guess that it now i gotta <laughs> i gotta lame to get an abortion i gotta 30s? keep it Ugh, or just God, decide that i'm not having kids i yeah. feel like that's the 32 year old decision because like, it's hard to justify a one and done yeah at this age it's hard to justify but we can still it, right? make mistakes you yeah, can still forever. make mistakes i think it's just like you know like oh you're like every you know it's just like you're gonna force yourself to it in there and you're yeah. just even though it's not i mean you can in this day and age you can have a baby well like 40 42 totally max yeah. maybe i don't know definitely 40 <laughs> depends how things are going it's like what's, what's your health insurance like yeah you just having a conversation with yourself well, no i don't have any so, uh, it, <laughs> so like um in throughout the foster care system did any of the moms ever have any kind of talk about you or like what what's your what's your getting your first period like who, t- oh, yeah, who the fuck tampon? helps you with that i remember that home that i was living in i got my period i remember going to my neighbor Cause she was a mom. Which home like, were you in? The one with the white kids there? They um, no, this was a biracial family actually. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I remember like they hadn't been home in a while. Like oh, they what? weren't, I wasn't seeing them very often. What a vacation. They were just living their lives. They were just oh. not checking in on so us. You, like, I mean, it's like living in an Airbnb. Really, sometimes, sometimes it was, sometimes Damn. they were very busy and they just knew that if there was food in the house, they could just not be home. Oh God. So okay. I remember going to the neighbor. It was like a mom of three. And I remember she was a military woman, always really, really nice to me. And I just was like, Hey, there's blood. You literally knocked on oh the door. Yeah. yeah. I was just like, Hey, there's blood. I don't know. I think it's probably that thing, but I also remember that being is such kind a of chill reaction. To get I period. remember being kind of coy because I knew what it was, but okay. I also didn't want to get in the conversation of how I knew because I felt like I don't know. I had read a book. I don't know. Yeah, I felt like I had read a book about. Oh, I remember reading like the color purple. Oh, and she yeah. seeing her like define what her period was like, and I was like, that sounds fucking horrible. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Damn. It's so very dramatic. But yeah, she like took me to the store and bought me some pads, and then. Oh, yeah. She was like, she checked on me. Like, how's it going? You know, and I was oh, like, it's good. Someone was. Damn. Yeah. But I remember from a young age, always feeling comfortable, like asking someone for help if I really needed it. That's that's awesome. Because I feel like that so many people live their lives never allowing themselves to be comfortable yeah. asking for help, which is because I, w- I was going to ask, like, who did you lean on? Because you were the rock for your brother. Yeah. The families didn't seem to really give a shit or be around. I felt like I kind of had like a rotating list of people in my life, like a good teacher or, you know, maybe if I was I was on drill team, a good coach. So I just kind of I kept people in my life if I felt like they were influencing me in a positive way and just allowed me to talk to them about yeah. things like does this person let me lean on them? Can I really talk to them about what's 
what's really happening. You might but, be the most mentally stable person I've ever met in my life. Oh, it's it's mostly weed. It's like a <laughs> lot. I don't, I don't want you getting. I don't want you getting too high thinking I'm out here zen all the time. Like okay. life is stressful, but so stressful. I'm totally committed to moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, and that's super, important. And that we talk about that on my podcast all the time. Like that's all these orphans have one thing in common, and that's their ability to keep moving forward. Yeah, you know? and that's human spirit and strength yeah. and either. It's a choice to go lean into it or not. So that's that's great. That's Are you awesome. in any groups where like you you talk to other orphans? Like I have this like like online thing. I love online groups. Yeah. Uh, and so I just I'm not, but I should be because I am curious. Like sometimes people will ask me like, well, are you like other orphans? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't really hang out with that many. I don't think. Right. But <laughs> I don't know. They oh. should be. They should have some meetups. Yeah. Orphans meet up. Yeah. That's a good website. So coin it. That would be. Yes. I like that. Huh. And now, and then, so, and then like you got into Tumble. Tumble's a, gr- a great school. Yeah. Uh, I imagine you were moving from different school systems a lot, or mm-hmm. were you moving within the same school system? Sometimes like I lived in a lot of cities in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I was oh, okay. able to like just transfer to something that was on the outskirts, but did yeah. you ever live in union? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. That's where I'm from. Is I was that just curious. North? North it's like movie? it's like uh it's it's middle it's middle to north it's right like 35 minutes if no with no traffic from the city oh, okay but i was like oh maybe you uh <laughs> uh and and so how did you was it just taken upon yourself to keep up with your schoolwork and yeah. and like what's changing schools like so many times like, going through this like process of like being the new kid time and time yeah. again um that was challenging i think i for a long time kept to myself for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that there were a lot of programs that helped me specifically because of my situation. Mm. Um, I remember being in a program in junior high that was called something reach or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they used to meet with us, I would say every month and go over the A through G requirements, which are the classes you need to take oh. to get into college. Yeah. So they drilled us with that information. Like they That's would take us hear. all the time. And it was specifically, I remember the other kids that used to meet with us in that group were like their parents were divorced and someone was like out of the home, something where they felt they had a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. So I will say that a lot of programs helped me. I got a lot of financial aid. I got a lot of scholarships for just writing my story down. Oh, that's nice. great. And sending it to someone saying, hey, here's what I'm dealing with and I'm trying to get into college and them just sending Temple a grand or something uh-huh. like that. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, there were a lot of really good resources that helped me be proactive so that I was a little yeah. more prepared to, to just jump out into adulthood. That's oh. fucking rad. So how is sex and dating for you now? Like, it's chill. We look, yeah. It's <laughs> chill, but I always say it's hard as a comedian. Like, don't you think so? Because the hours are... The hours. You got it. Dating comedians. That's why dating comedians make sense. I totally. Because they get it. They're not going to be like, well, you're never around. Like, yeah. there's no question there. It's hard for me to imagine not dating someone who's in entertainment in some way. Yeah. Just because they totally understand what's happening. Like, if you look at the calendar and it's like, oh, there's 30 days on this calendar. I'm going to be sleeping somewhere else 14 days out of this month. Right. Yeah. And then these other nights that I'm actually here in the city, I have 10 shows. So it's like, yeah, you're out so till midnight you know? the earliest. Mm-hmm. So I think um, when I first started, it was like once I started going on tour, I was immediately getting caught up. Just yeah. trying to date someone at home casually and then going on tour and just like meeting someone and thinking, oh, maybe I could just also date this person. Do you, you get know? road booty? Because like, I feel like just like road booty. Yeah. Being like, a, like I hate even like road saying ass. female comic because and I hate separating. But like that yeah. is the one thing where it's like, I feel like 
female comedians like no this, dick after the show no no yeah. anything after the show i can't say the guys Maybe are like high. yo you're trying to like get it in but they're like yo i want to take you out what they're like yo i want to take you out like i want to that's When's awesome. the next time you're around? I, I would like to take you out. And sometimes wow. it's hard, like when they really proposition you in a way that sounds super genuine, like, oh no, I've like researched you and I knew that you oh were coming. God. And then I met you. Wow. And now I, I really want to take you out. And it's like oh, they put so much work you know? into it. Yeah. And I, I remember one I've time I researched. Has that you. happened multiple times? <laughs> More than once, yeah. Oh damn. Mm-hmm. See, this is this is something about you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you have You're like, a unique person because there seems to be this pattern in your story of these pe- of of just people kind of like attracting these people are good. Like yeah. it's like this. Yeah, it's like it, you're realizing you are unique or special and and just giving you that little bit extra. Yeah, I can say it, it's like a dopeness recognizing dopeness. Mm. Yeah, it's very interesting. That's great because it's usually someone who's like pretty dope. I'm like, damn, you want to go? You want to go? Shit. Out? Like you, you, you made all this dope stuff already. You want to hang out with me? <laughs> But um, I remember going to Chicago and doing a show like earlier in my career and staying out in Chicago for a while, meeting a guy at a show and then by happenstance meeting him at a house party. Oh, like whoa. with some people that I knew and then being like, oh, he really wants to go out. Like he really propositioned me. Let's just go out. And so the guy that I was dating back home was a, a musician and he was traveling as well. And he just were shows you guys exclusive, up. The we, were, we were pretty exclusive. We weren't like boyfriend <laughs> and girlfriend, but we were. Oh. Headed there, texting, very obviously texting headed there. all day. You're okay. in my life. You know what's happening. Yeah. So I was definitely being sneaky trying to go on a date. Yeah. And um, he texted me. I was like, guess what? I'm in Chicago, too. And I was like, oh, no. Oh. And I was like actively on a date with another guy that I had just met in Chicago. And so I thought I could be slick about it. I was like, well, let's just meet for a drink. Like, where are you? And he was like, oh, I'm at this bar. I told the guy to drop me off near the bar. I'm like, just drop me off around the corner and I'll walk yeah. around. Yeah. I just tell him an address. And we get there and he's like, oh, there's a bar around the corner. I really like, I'm going to stop in there and uh, go to the bathroom. And I'm like, great. You know what, though? You can't even park over here. It's real crazy. You should go park (laughs) over there. I'm going to run inside because I got to pee, too. So it was like literally trying to juggle with these two guys that I've now brought from two different cities to the same Same bar. bar. And now I'm trying to juggle to get one in and out from the bathroom so that I can have a doubtfire. It was I remember (laughs) faking a phone call in front of the bathroom, like telling the guy, like, you should go. I'm on the phone with my manager. Like, you should get out of here. And I was like, who are Getting you? a role, whatever. It's who fun. are you? What have you become? <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to be doing comedy out Did here. Did you pull it off, though? Totally pulled it off. Damn. Uh-oh, until I listen to this. Yeah, they, they'll be, they'll have feelings, but. <laughs> are you single now? <laughs> I'm dating. Okay, dating. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> All right, so it's, you know. It's not, it's not as hard now because you just can't be sneaky. You just can't be yeah. sneaky. Yeah. And you just got to keep it real. Have you like, been sneaky in the past? Like, it, it, cause that's not that sneaky. I mean, to me, I'm like, it's kind of funny. It's like sly. It is. I know? was trying to be a little sly. I was, but I think that it's hard being a lady comic because guys don't always trust the situation that you're in anyway. Like, I, oh, really? I, I go to comedy clubs late at night. I drink oh, a bunch. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You hang out with guys. I smoke, yeah. I smoke weed with an, in alleys with comedians sure. who Same, are very, yeah. some of them, some of them are kind of like funny. Some of the guys, some of them are like cheeky, you know, whatever. Yeah. So it's like guys immediately get insecure and they worry that, you know, you're just being swept up off your feet every night. And it's hard to be like, no, like, have I you just, met comedians? I promise. You. <laughs> like, hang I out just, with us one night. You won't I just want to hang out. Like, yeah. I just yeah. like being around. Well, the hang people. is part of the scene. It's part of being a comedian. I just think that regular guys struggle to accept that part of like dating a comedian, especially dating a woman, because yeah. they're like, you're what, what are you doing? You're sta- you're standing behind this comedy club. 
at 2 a.m. Yeah. with these guys. You guys are just talking. Come on, get out of here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. so you've had trouble getting yeah, out of just like trying to be like regular people. Yeah. Understand. Just trying to be like, this is what I remember one time dating a guy and then meeting um, Jill Scott's band. Mm-hmm. Oh, whoa. Like meeting her band at my show. Damn. And them, they came to your show? Yeah. They Holy just shit. so happened to come to the show. Oh. And they were like, you're amazing. Like, you were so great. Let's go. Let's go hang out. So I brought them back to my house. Oh, my God. And I'm like drinking with Jill Scott's band. It's Damn. so chill. That's such and a dream. Guy, yeah. The guy that I'm dating at the time, like he hears the commotion from upstairs. He comes downstairs and looks at me like you're a fucking slut. Wait, did he live what? in your building? No, he was just staying the night. He was oh, staying the night. So he, OK, he was in the upstairs he was staying in the home. night. Mm-hmm. Wait, he, he did he up. say that? Yeah, well, nobody looked at me like that. And uh, I remember him yeah, asking you, me. You know. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Just like when they give you that that up and down, like, ugh, you're dirty. Yeah, the now. judgy fucking. Yes. Oh, and God, I was like, come so on, like, we're just smoking and like chilling. Like, put on your pants, come hang out with us. Yeah. And he was like, no, I don't want to hang out with you. Like, you weren't just smoking. You don't look like you were just smoking. And I was like, come on, man. I mean, what were you giving everyone blowjobs? I was like, like what what you yeah, I gave all of them blowjobs, like, but now it's your turn. It's classically trained musicians. Like, come on, man. It's, we're at a jazz bar nothing yeah. crazy was happening but like he just couldn't Insecure. wrap his mind around like it was just what it was huh and now i bet you he probably wants to hang out with jill scott's band and he can't he probably would love to <laughs> he never can't. knew did he ever know that that uh, was yeah, jill scott's I band told, i still the first thing i said oh i was like hey chill out it's jill scott's band like, yeah come on yeah i was gonna say like put your pants on come hang out with yeah. us and he was just like no absolutely not oh i'm not God. going down there Stubborn. i don't want to talk to any of them I don't know yeah, what you guys yeah. were doing. <laughs> so, so have you dated a lot of comics? Two. Okay. Yeah. Eh. In Philly. In Philly. Yeah. Not in, not in New York. Did it go? Did it go poorly? Totally. No <laughs> <laughs> worst. The I always first think guy about, I dated like, when I was tired of dating him. He got very angry. Oh. He would just show out at shows. It was, so you dump, did you dump him and then he would show up? It was like we were dating and I was like, I don't want to date anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Which I yeah. think is an easy conversation to have. Yeah. But no, his, he did ego, not want to hear it. his ego was like, I will block you on everything. And then when I see you, and at shows, show up I'll show up at the show, but not talk to you. That's, oh, such, a, that's such a strange move. The yes, showing up and but not talking. Distancing yourself internetly, but then showing up Comedians personally. love to get attention for purposely not giving you attention. Like, hey, look. <laughs> hey, look. That, I'm that not power even checking shit. for you. I didn't even know you were going to be here. I hate that power Power moves freak me out and they like scare me a little bit because I'm like, what are you capable of? I do not know. Yeah, it's scary. Yeah. Have you ever been in a situation with a guy that you were like, am I gonna, is this gonna go very awry, either violent or oh man, or rapey? Or... I, I don't want to scare you when I tell you about this, but <laughs> there was this comedian that I knew in Philly that would come to all my shows and sit in the back with a bouquet of flowers. And Whoa. Just wait. Wait until I got off stage and then he'd ask to walk me home and I'd say walk you home. Yeah. And I'd say, no, thank you. And he would hand me the flowers and then he'd leave. And he did that. He did that for months. So many many flowers. As many as I had. As many as I had. He would show up and I'm talking like sometimes and this was a white guy, too. Sometimes I would be doing shows. <laughs> That's even scarier. I would white guys are in the hood. I was going to say, I was like, shows. I had actually no question that it was a white guy. Yeah, that's that is some, some white guy shit. Serial killer move. <laughs> I would be doing shows in the hood and he would be sitting in the audience very calmly with his little backpack and his flowers and the comedians would roast him. They would pick him out like, look wow. at this guy. He's it's got this bag. Sweet. He's probably going to like. What vibe did you get from him? When he said hi to you, here's he, the flowers. He was, 
inept. He could barely speak. Like he Whoa. was. Do you think he just had like Asperger's? Yeah, or I was something? gonna say maybe. Maybe. Yeah. So maybe. wait, did he ever? So he, did you feel threatened? Not, not really. But that's probably me just being arrogant. Like, oh, you know, he's a little shorter than me. <laughs> so I know I could take him. <laughs> yeah, but also but, too, like I feel like if he had that like but serial killer white like, guy vibe, mm. you feel like he has a I gut. mean, even when I moved to New York, this comedian that I know in Philly, who's like one of my good girlfriends, she told me that, or she sent me a screenshot of him messaging her saying, "Do you have Chanel's address in New York City? I want to send her some flowers." She, that like, guy, the same mm-hmm. guy, didn't mm-hmm. he notice the flowers weren't working? No. How did okay. he get your friend's phone number? No, he hit her up on Facebook. Yeah, Facebook. Oh, oh, Facebook, Facebook. Okay, so but the thing with this is, okay, so I can understand the, the gesture, but it's like previously to the flowers or afterwards, did he ever express in wor- like written or verbal words what it is he was yeah. looking for? Like what How did what else did he say? I remember meeting him at a few shows okay. and speaking to him like in the same way that we do at the end of a show, just everybody hanging out. Right. And him just being like, yo, I really dig you. I really like you. You're... You know, you're dope. And then I remember thinking, like, I saw him a few more times and he was like, actually, I love you. I oh. love you. And then what'd you say? And I was just like, you don't even know me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then immediately was like, well, you should get away from me because, you know, I don't know what this is. I don't know what this is becoming, but let's just stop it because you, yeah. don't, you don't even know me. You don't yeah. know me. And then he was like, well, I'm just going to show you. I'm going to show you how much I love you and I'll just go to all your shows. Did he ever ask you out on an actual date or just no. pr- say that he loved Whoa. you? Whoa. He would just say that he loved me. Did you <laughs> ever ask him to not come to your shows? Um, or you never felt the need to? I'm sure I did, but or I probably like, didn't say it as heavy handedly. Okay. I remember the one time that I he- like was heavy handedly. I remember he messaged me on Facebook, something like probably nice, probably not anything too crazy. And I remember writing him back and being like, you got to stop hitting me up like we're friends. Right. Because we're not. We're not friends. Yeah. And he screenshotted that and he put it on Instagram and like everybody Whoa. in the Philly scene obviously saw it. And I was like, come on, man. Like now you're that was the first time I saw him kind of like act out that I yeah. was like, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, like, I'm cool. really going to block you on everything. Like, I know it was just like a fan thing before and you weren't really whatevering. But now it's ugly and I don't want any parts. But Did people he- must have understood that, like, he was the one acting erratically Totally. totally. Oh, yeah. But I do think that some people in the scene didn't take it seriously when I would say like, hey, this guy kind of makes me uncomfortable. Like, well, uh, don't womanhood. Yeah. Because they're like, wait, why? Mm -hmm. That's so weird. And I remember people being like, well, you were you walked into the show and we were talking to him. And when you walked in, he started acting really weird. Like we couldn't understand what was happening. He just was like looking at you a lot and being really weird. And I was like, yeah. So why do you keep booking us together then? Yeah, you saw you saw that it's weird thing. It's a weird thing that he's doing. So like, don't book him on this show. Yeah, Tuh. damn. And does have when was the last time you had contact with him? Honestly, probably before I moved. I haven't oh, heard okay. from him since. Other Good. than the last that I heard was that he had asked my friend for my address, mm-hmm. and that she was like, no. scary. But do you post where you're doing shows and stuff? Like, I mean, I do totally. That's why he you knew. have to. My yeah. website has my shows all yeah. the time. Yeah, a, a guy could come to a Anybody show. Anybody could. Yeah, you know. we always think about that. I know. Always well, on the podcast, like, I was like, whatever. you know, if you want to murder us, this yeah. is where we'll be. I I'll mean, be it's there not seven thirty to nine thirty. Yeah, yeah, it's not I'll a be secret. A little intoxicated. No, yeah. it's just like yeah. you know, yeah. I have to keep my wits about me, regardless. But definitely, that guy gave me. Uh, yeah, that had to really strange, like man. put my foot down and be like, no, this is unacceptable. You're not going to have any contact with me at all. Did he take that 
Yeah. I mean, I haven't heard from him. After telling him that day when he posted that screenshot, after being like, come on, bro, like this is. Yeah, that's a fucking line. Crazy. Now this is crazy because I wasn't even being mean. I was just being like, come on, stop hitting me up. Like, we're not friends. And I was just like, no, because if this is how you're going to start acting, I know you're only going to get more angry. Yeah. This is the true colors you're showing me this early. Yeah. Uh -uh. Damn. I got like supreme survivor skills, I think. You really do. I'm yeah. glad he stopped. He leave, leaving you the fuck alone. Yeah. Oh, my God. Have, Have you, you ever had to use the survivor skills in any other way as it uh, relates to relationships or sex or dating? Um. Yeah, I think that specifically when I was in those foster homes, I feel like sometimes I had to like decide that I was just going to placate with someone mm-hmm. versus like being real or going against what they wanted mm-hmm. and I think that's helped a ton even in entertainment like sometimes you have to have a conversation with know. someone and you need to talk about a business aspect but they're a crazy person <laughs> and you need to just yeah. placate and be a part of this like I remember doing a show for Bill Bellamy way nice. back in the day and he had these crazy groupies with him he man crazy groupies he's got groupies and then I remember doing a show with, with or trying to get on a show with Tommy Davidson mm-hmm. and it being like that green room was a psych ward for a couple of minutes. It Whoa. was so crazy. He was asking me, like, should I do a feature on this this Philly rapper's album? He wants me to do something on his album. And I was like, Tommy Davidson, why are you asking me for advice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, I'm just trying to get a guest spot on your show. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's amazing how high up it, like the food chain you can get with comedians and they still seemingly feel so lost. I've had mm-hmm. that experience so many times. And it's jarring as a as like a more up-and-coming comedian because you're just like, well, what the fuck? Does this when ever get, get better? Out? And also then it uh, ruptures this thought of them that you ha- that you have as this like, you know, star and someone who has it all together. And and because, you know, comedians are like, you know, wisdom relayers in a yeah. lot in a lot of ways. I mean, I use artists as I don't want to say my gods, but certainly as like spiritual guides, authors and musicians and comedians more than I do any real religion. Yeah. Yeah. So then I'm like, oh, I'm like, well, what, now that I know you're an idiot, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> or now that I know that you're lost, how I can't use yeah. you as my guide any longer. I remember meeting so many celebrities and being like, ah, you're all fucked up. Yeah. yeah. It's really, it's, it's, Damn. it's an interesting experience to I'd see like, somebody that you put on that pedestal Damn. and you're like, oh, you don't know what the fuck you're doing either. Like you're all fucked up. Yeah. It's sad. But I always like in the same way that I say I have like so much so many survivor skills. I'm always trying to pay attention to people that make mistakes right before me. You oh, know? yeah. That's smart. Even with comedy, like when I'm watching someone on stage make a mistake and I'm thinking, oh, that's, you know, I'm happy that I'm paying attention now because I don't want to make the same mistake. Yeah. But also in like just being in entertainment, like watching people blast a relationship all over Instagram or yeah. talk about it a bunch in their jokes and then lose that person and then talk about that a bunch in their jokes like so they're just, just living watching for material. the cycles and i'm yeah. like oh, okay this is good that i get to watch some of these things so that I don't have, have you ever talked sometimes about sometimes it works out yeah <laughs> have you ever talked to us about a significant other on stage and it not go well no okay that's good it's been hilarious yeah <laughs> meaning every time not I've going it. well because the person's feelings were hurt oh yeah totally. not like going over well and with the totally audience. i used to have this joke about I think it was a joke about if I ever met Drake, how I would like fuck him real crazy. <laughs> like I would ruin his career because I would break his heart 
and then he would make a really sad album and every time guys would listen to it they would cry and when i was working out that you joke, would ruin drake just yeah. ruin him With and then pussy. he would produce this amazing art so yeah it's like a sacrifice yeah it's me sacrificing let me just go break him off real quick <laughs> so that we can have this art and i remember when the guy that i was dating at the time when he first heard that joke he was really mad about it he was like that's, you know, you're just up there talking about fucking Drake. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, I, I, went, I was like, bit. I didn't even say fucking. I was like, I wasn't even explicitly saying that. I was just saying I would break his heart. You're assuming right. that yeah. I would fuck the shit out of him, which I would. Yeah, but I'm not that's saying that's also that. true. That's was just the joke. I'm just joking. I never know? I never understand when like a, re- a real human being you're dating and that, you know, is mad over like a celebrity that you don't know and yeah. hypothetically being uh, in love with or fucking them. Like it truly you makes might meet Drake, no though. sense. Even totally, I mean, I'm totally going to meet such Drake. A I'm Drake, absolutely going to meet Drake, but I'm also going to be fine. Like it's not yeah. going to be like, well, I got to fulfill this prophecy because yeah. like, you know, I'll be, be like, okay. Drake, I got a bit about you and uh, it's mm. my truth. So now that I met you, what are you gonna do? Yeah, it's amazing, like being a comedian and telling people that you're a comedian, and then showing people that you're a comedian, and then s- them still not understanding you're the concept of a joke. Yeah, you're like, well, but this is what I do professionally. And I'm not willing to have too many conversations about that. Like, yeah, no, if you're, for if sure. If I'm dating you and you're mad about a joke that I've told, first we have to acknowledge that I'm I was literally joking. Mm-hmm. I was not being serious. I was telling a joke. And once we acknowledge that, I'm only gonna maybe exchange two or three sentences about this joke. Yeah. Because it wasn't real, you mm-hmm. know? And when you have to like mm-hmm. exaggerate or heighten certain aspects of like a story or something that happened and then people yeah. don't get that, I'm like, obviously I know you didn't do that, but mm-hmm. for the premise of the bit, you got it. There's so, got to be some fantastical fiction going on here for my end. I'm in the joke business. Yeah. I'm when did you know you wanted joking. to be in the entertainment business? Um, I didn't try stand up until right after I graduated college. Uh-huh. So like a year after, out of Temple. But um, I think I always knew it. Yeah. yeah. I think even as a little kid, I, I always wanted to watch comedy movies. I loved uh, Wanda Sykes. Right. I used to think she was so amazing. And I just really wasn't, I was so focused on getting a good job and going to school and all those things that I wasn't willing to like even try an art thing. Like any uh, type of art, I was like, you don't have time to go. Well, art always feels like extra. And that's, mm-hmm. I, I think, so so crappy in the school system because you're like, oh, that's like if I have time or if I did go, did everything else, like art is like this weird dessert. Like yeah. I can if I'm finished with everything else when really like I should have just been doing this shit the whole time. And mm-hmm. why did I even sit in math class? It was a waste of everyone's time. I wasn't good at it. And even when I was a little girl, if I wanted to like, I would dream about acting. I was just like, you don't have anybody that's going to take you to the shit and mm. get your pictures. And you're like, you just can't yeah. even think like that. But then I got out on my own and I tried stand up and I was like, I think maybe I can think like that. Like maybe I have enough knowledge now to give it a good run for it. And I also don't have anybody to disappoint. <laughs> that's true. That Nobody's checking in on me. <laughs> like, are you still doing orphans motto? Shows? You yeah. know what? A lot of people <laughs> nobody live their life nobody for their parents or somebody yeah. who might be disappointed. And that's a disconnect sometimes with me. And wow, even dating. that's a little bit of a uh, like a a freedom in that. Yeah. In that you don't. You're not. You're not anybody's. You're not prisoner to anybody's All these decisions. Are mine. They're just my decisions, and yeah. I have to live with myself and say, "Hey, you did that. Yeah, you know? yeah, you yeah. Did you that, own and up. now your life is this way. Yeah, you did that. No, it's so funny. We we've been sitting here, you know, for four years doing this podcast, and so often the, the running theme is like, "Wow, people's parents." 
fuck them up. Fuck them up so, <laughs> so bad. Make hard. me not even want kids now because so, they fuck them up so bad. Totally. Yeah. So it's like, do you think your parents fucked you up more by uh, not being there, or do you think they would have fucked you up more by continuing to be there when they were not really doing the job that you needed them to do? I think they genuinely weren't ready. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. My mom was just really not in a good place. And I think that I wouldn't be this person. I don't yeah. think I would be this person and have this knowledge yeah. if I would have had to have been subjected to how fucked up they were. And it probably makes you a great stand up because like <laughs> oh, younger, totally. younger like, aged comedians, mm-hmm. it's like, ah, oh, you have it. You got to live life. You got to get your heart broken. You got to see some fucked up shit. Yeah. And then you have some material. You've totally. had material since you were eight. And I wasn't really I wasn't as scared, I feel like, in the beginning, because yeah. it was like, oh, well, if these people don't like you, you know, you still got parents. You know, like you guys will be fine. Right. I'm going to go out here on my own still and have to. It's this is just every day. Yeah. Are you back in contact with your mother now? Um, I actually saw her for the first time a few months ago at a funeral. Oh, Um, did you know she was going to be there ahead of time? I had a feeling she probably would be there. Uh Yeah. Um, How was she doing? She's she's I always say that like she was diagnosed with like bipolar disorder. Oh, okay. Paranoia schizophrenia. But it's. In my, in my, to my knowledge, what she is is kind of like what's left from when you do that to yourself, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. So I just have never been able to have a real conversation with her. And she drifts off into space, you know? Uh, and it just never feels like, like she doesn't know I'm a comedian. She has no idea where I live, what I do, where I've been, you know? She doesn't She's, ask or you ask and it doesn't stay or she, you tell her and it doesn't stay. Or? She doesn't ask or yeah. she can't really comprehend and I don't know. It's it's like a shell of a person. Mm-hmm. Oh, so man. it's it's definitely a cloud. But I have her phone number now. And um, I think intermittently she'll probably text for the holidays. But it's this weird thing where like I want to protect myself so much mm-hmm. that I'm not even really concerned yeah. with. You've, you've gotten this far mm-hmm. on your own. Like I don't ever find myself wanting like, oh, I wish she hit me up more or I wish you checked up on me because I don't ever know what that felt like. Right. So Uh, yeah, I'm super comfortable in this existence. Wow. That seems very calming and like a, I don't know. It does seem like a Zen way to live that you had no choice. That's, that's what your circumstances were. But I feel like that, do you ever, do you ever have, I feel like everyone has mommy or daddy issues like so hard. Like I have mommy issues so bad. And do you ever like listen to a friend like discuss or really dive into how fucked up their parents made them? And then you go, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> totally. Like, it's because it's probably very foreign to you. It is. And Ugh. I think sometimes when even comedians are like, well, I'm not going to go to California for that week. Like I said, because my parents were like getting on my case about money or bills or whatever. Yeah. I'm always like, that sounds so crazy. To yeah. Me. I'm like, I don't and understand <laughs> that feeling of, well, I have to make decisions from myself and also make them feel a certain way about those decisions. Yeah. So even with dating, sometimes I feel like a guy could say to me like, well, my mom wants me to come for Thanksgiving and I could be like oh cool that's whatever and he'd be like well you should come and sometimes I might but if I don't want to like I genuinely don't want to yeah you're not trying to be a dick you're yeah just like, eh, I, I feel like to. sometimes guys wow. will be like oh I just don't understand they would get offended over that yeah I don't understand why you would rather not and I'm like it's you know it's something against you it's I- about what I feel and what I want to do today and yeah. today I don't want to you have a very healthy level of of 
it seems of not selfishness because I feel like that word gets such a negative connotation, but like just just self care. Mm-hmm. Like you really put a priority on that. Totally, that's awesome. Especially in comedy, like we we have to take care of our mental state. I think, yeah, yeah, because that's foremost. your that's your money maker. <laughs> and we're taking on people's stresses all the time. We're like melting their problems for a few seconds at a time. Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. a hefty thing that we take on. Well, I was gonna say I was like having a mom who had some you know addiction issues and mental illness. Are you hypersensitive and like hyper aware of making of self care in those respects with yourself? Totally, totally. Because I do know that my mom experimented with drugs and then had issues like bipolar disorder after that. But I don't know if there were what re- like psychedelics. No, I think she was like smoking crack. But because uh, I was like, because I was like, I've actually never heard of like uh, like a true mental oh, illness no. coming from anything but psychedelics. And then mm-hmm. I, that was just paranoid for myself, really, <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> which is fair, <laughs> a fair concern to have. So wait, so, and is there is there there's scientific studies that like back uh, back up or doctors that have said like this is on set from the crack? I I don't know. I don't know that. That's why I'm saying like yeah, huh. I could I could say like, oh, Shit. she became this bipolar. Person. She never did crack. But like, that's what I'm saying. Like, well, I could yeah, say yeah. like she became this person because she did all these oh, drugs yeah. and then she had this whatever break. But, but if her she mother had that break. Regardless, she yeah, could have right. had it. She could have just cracked under the pressure of life. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I have no idea what happened. It could come from my mom had fetal alcohol syndrome because her mm. mother, when she was pregnant, would drink when she was pregnant with my mom. And yeah. so if, if your grandmother was doing any sort Maybe. of drug or alcohol, I mean, my mom was that, 30. Bipolar could come from that. <laughs> my mom was 30 when she had me. Like she had went to college. Oh, she was on her way to law school. Like she was, Whoa. her life wasn't in shambles. How did, but something happened in between that time mentally. I have no idea. Oh, wow. I mean, I've wow. heard, I've Holy heard that she was like dating someone that was into drugs and then oh, you know she got into drugs i have no idea i've never been able to have a, that type of conversation with her yeah. but i do think it makes me super hyper aware of how i feel about going to get help if i need it like i said i've yeah. been in therapy twice where i felt like oh i need to go talk to someone about these feelings and make sure that i'm okay and if they were like hey you need to take this pill i would take it mm-hmm. you yeah. know but um I I do I do feel hyper aware about that. I want to take care of my my brain so badly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's it's interesting mm. to me that people like I, I'm noticing it just through talking to you and your how you look at the world and your experiences. Like people really do learn to please their parents, or they learn like based off of little instances when you're a kid and like dad looks at you weird when you're like oh you're like I guess I did something wrong, and they make you doubt, but you never had anybody make you doubt yeah. yourself. Not too much, really. Wow. Yeah. Dang. Well, because parents are kind of like a, like a low level god when you're young, in a way. Yeah. Like there are these kind of two kind of like pillars of perfection that you later find out are not pillars of perfection, and then it just fucks you up. Like yeah, Santa. so bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I feel like I've had to like defend myself even on podcasts before as being like, well, you don't have parents, like you. It's, I get to every time people have made a joke like well something's wrong with you nobody loved you and I'm like apparently Damn. those two people love the hell out of you because yeah. now you're all fucked up like yeah. I know honestly I feel like you're way people. less fucked up because you didn't have parents I know plenty of people that came from two parent <laughs> households and are really oh god up. yeah that's I think certainly no recipe for a success every person I've ever met from a two parent household is fucked up <laughs> She's like, or oh, any person ever like that, that is that kind of <laughs> fucked up and it's like it's such a it's it just casts a shadow on it. like it's so hard to break free from that mental state of like I need to worry about what they're thinking and I need to dictate my decisions and how I speak and yeah I love that so you that guys are doesn't get mad that's so interesting I love that you guys are getting on board with this like orphans unite shit yeah dude, I love it yeah 
Well, I mean, I, I've, since I was a little kid, I had a dream that I was going to marry an orphan just because I think that parents are so, like, they're just, I feel like in don't every, understand. like, romantic relationship, parents are getting in the fucking way. Yeah. It's something that they set. should not be involved in at all, yeah. really. Like, once you're an adult making decisions about who you want to be with romantically, why the fuck out, are we... Get out of my bubble. Uh, the <laughs> things that people dick. say, like, oh, I can't date this person because they're this religion or this race or because they do this or because, like, what are you talking about? That's yeah. not, I'm not even asking anybody about this. I would be so far i'm like i'm so far into a relationship by the time anyone fucking knows about it mm-hmm. that like that uh, no feedback i don't need yeah. a yelp review on my life like get get out of my face i have no patience for that there's no way i could date anyone and have to deal with their family more than i want to right and then uh, for yeah, me like bet. when anyone Damn. says like oh i you know something when i hear too much about like mom or dad or parents that's a really big alarm in my head like this yeah. is not something i can be a part of that's not okay <laughs> like I, I just can't imagine like you should be you're you're your own person and if you're not making or even people who like uh care a lot about what their friends think to like a weird level yeah i've had that before and it's just like oh you're not your own person mm-hmm. what are you doing there's a not baby around that like you know how do you I, need i don't understand how you need help deciding like who you want to be with huh, as mm, an yeah, adult you know it's very strange yeah, to figure me. it out yourself and that's no hard matter, work though no matter like if you're asking your mom or your dad or whoever for advice you're never really being totally truthful with them truthful with them about what you did yeah, and and there's always a bias really for sure. Who yeah. you really are, because this is a person that you don't they want to be you disappointed their... in you. Yeah, mm-hmm. yes. you don't want to tell them the the Ugh. reality of the situation. You should that you be a therapist create. for kids for people with like that had just got fucked up parent issues because I feel like you yeah. see it so clearly and it makes so much. It's so logical the way you. The way you, re- you know, you reason with yourself of like, I don't need to care about what they think. Why? What did I? Well, comedians yeah. are kind of like guerrilla therapists, I think. Totally. <laughs> like, I absolutely think you're just like, we're just, we're just therapists gone rogue. So. Yeah. We figured it out. We just talk <laughs> about it in a different way. Yeah. 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 It's very therapeutic and fun. All right. Um, well, I think we're going to wrap up, but uh, where can we find you performing? Yeah. You do shows. Yes. Where you got shows. Hopefully that guy with the flowers does, is not Hopefully listening. Hopefully Hopefully you're chilling Hopefully in forgot. Philly, um, not in New York. You can check out my website at chanali.com. I always have all my updated, upcoming shows and uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Chanel underscore underscore Ali. That's Chanel like the perfume. Two underscores Ali like Muhammad. Perfect. Thank you. You've perfected the, the very the promo. Polished. I loved it. <laughs> All right, guys. This has been Guys We Fucked the Anti Slut Shaming Podcast. We'll talk to you next Friday. I finally came home with everyone around. Come inside again. From one day to next Beautiful things around Love in my state of mind Finally come inside Memories full But I am here and now I settle down my friends goodbye to what's been hello to what will come
This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. 